Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. On today's episode, we have another special guest. His name is Dr. Ian Brooks. He is an author, psychologist, CEO, and founder of the Road Smith Consulting Group, and he is also an expert in the art of change. Welcome to the show, Ian. No, thank you, Kamani. I appreciate being here and uh, look forward to our conversation today. So, yeah, same here. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And so I guess just I guess just to give the audience a chance to know a bit more about you, what's some information that you like to share? Sure. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, great to be here. As, as Kamani mentioned, I'm Dr. Ian D. Brooks. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of Roadsmith Consulting um, and author of the book Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. Um, I really focus on helping individuals master their intent. More specifically, how can they think through more specifically and intentionally the behaviors and actions that they're going to be taking to move forward. So I work with individuals within organizations, Fortune 500, um, mid-sized companies and startups, as well as with people individually, one-on-one, -on -one, just to make sure that they develop into be better. And as such, um, it's a great opportunity for me to build relationships and offer my expertise, both from a clinical psychology perspective, as well as my experience working with organizations and individuals one-on-one -on -one to, again, just create new stories for people. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess during the time when you were thinking about writing your book, what would you say was your inspiration for not only crafting a book that you're going to publish, but also making intention the, uh, I guess, the guiding principle behind it? Because I'm sure you know from a lot of like, you know, personal development books, they talk about change this, change that, uh, yeah. developing different habits and shooting towards things that have a specific end goal. But I guess you can say the focus of your book intention is more so over, I guess, a transformation as opposed to getting specific results if that makes sense, right? A absolutely. Um, you're spot on, Kamani. And, and, and I think it's from transformation and the word capabilities within the title is key. And the reality came to me early on as I was working with individuals one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I recognized that uh, my clients were struggling on the same challenges. Um, that being, they're always worried about how can I sustain this behavior? And I'm not able to sustain, sustain this behavior. But that's an end result of, I can't sustain. So once I thought about what's the challenge from that sustainment, it always came back to, did I have the right goal in mind? Did I have the acknowledgement of who I am as a person? And so I thought to myself, well, if, that's the, if, if the goal is around sustainment, how do I s solve sustainment? It's oftentimes not the plan. Let me go back to the, the decisions they made around that plan, the decisions they made around themselves, the assumptions we made around our environment, the assumptions we made around the end result. And so I just started just shouting down to myself, like, okay, I, I'm tired of answering these same questions, right? right. <laughs> trying, to create, trying to create some level of efficiency for myself and for them. Right. So they didn't need to sit with me, but you know, for an hour long session, but they can be reminded of the things they needed to think about. And so as such, I started to build out a framework and platform in the build of this idea of intention and, and how they can sustain it. 
Now, I came up with the words intention in a very purposeful way, um, not to use the word intention again, um, it, because I wanted people to really acknowledge the fact that I'm asking them to create awareness around what they need to do different. It can't be something that can be subsided or glossed over or just saying, you know what, I just want an end result. It has to be something that we think about all the time. As such, if I were to give someone an idea of how do I teach you how to tie your shoe differently? You're gonna have to think about that every single day you have shoelaces. Now you could get skirt around that by slipping in the flip-flops, slipping in the <laughs> Crocs, right. some of the things that you, you just don't, you don't have to tie your shoe, right? Right. Yeah, all that's true. Um, but when you do tie your shoe, I need you to think about this because that is what builds consistency. That's what builds behavior. And that is what builds sustainment. I'm less about quality. I'm, about, I'm more about the consistency of the behavior. And so my book offers a framework to really get people to think about what they're trying to solve, who they are, be it the person, place, or thing, their environment, and not detaching ourselves from our histories, but acknowledging it and saying, this is what I... This is who I am. This is what I'm willing to do. And this is what I'm building my plan around so that I now can integrate it into my life. And so intention, this book here, as I keep flashing it, um, provides right. clarity and the steps to transform our stories. It reinforces and builds on new capabilities and capabilities are behaviors for us to move forward. Um, and in that, our success of our transformation, be it leaders, as I described, or to losing weight or just being better in general, because I think we all want to be better. Start with who we are and is sustained through the gift of our own knowledge and transference of those behaviors in different circumstances. Okay. And so just to make sure that I'm following and I understand you correctly, mm -hmm. pretty much what you're saying is that your book is helping people to reinforce the habit of maybe not necessarily focusing on these small specific actions, like let's say tying your shoes or something like that, but focusing on a much larger, I guess you could say purpose for doing that thing, I guess to kind of add meaning to it, if that makes sense. And so let's say that, you know, if a, if a person has certain goals or certain steps that they want to take in life, life shouldn't be to meet those certain steps you know, like tying the shoes, I guess you could say as, as an example, like the one you brought up, but that these little small actions along, I guess, along the way should be to build up to a larger purpose, which is something that wouldn't necessarily be a goal that can be checked off of a list, but something that they can maintain for a lifetime, right? That, that's where the sustainability part comes in, right? Absolutely. Um, the behaviors are transferable to regardless of your goal. And to your very acknowledgement and, and reflection, it's in, a, in what I've mentioned, it's you, we might have something that's two, three years out. We need to start today to worry about that and build the right behaviors and consistency and whatever that might look like. We need to start today. And 
everything that we do today is towards that two, three-year mark, not to what we just want to get tomorrow. And that's a difference between change and transformation. Change, I can get somebody to tie their shoe differently tomorrow. One time, done, we're good, right? Right. The goal is to get somebody to tie their shoe differently all the time. And thus that takes thinking, that takes frustration, that takes learning. It that takes, takes a why, it takes yeah, like yeah. an understanding. Right, and it takes purpose. Like, I, it's like, do I have a purpose for doing this? <laughs> and if I don't have a purpose or if I don't have that motivation, then quite frankly, then it's really not gonna matter. It's really not gonna matter. And, it, and I can almost guarantee it won't be sustained. I can almost guarantee it. And so to your very acknowledgement and just reflection of what I, I mentioned, it's thinking long-term, recognizing that our behaviors, our, who we are as people, of our communication, of our actions, are driving towards something bigger. And it's and if you're driving towards something bigger just for tomorrow or just from a month from now, then I that's not something bigger, right? You, I can almost right. guarantee I can get you to lose ten pounds for your wedding dress. I, I can get you to do that, right? But then what's next? <laughs> what what happens right. after like, that? Like, when the, when exactly. the wedding's over, right? Exactly. Like what happens? And then all of a sudden you're back right where you start. Like okay, well. I'm not, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? If you just want to look good in that wedding dress, cool. I can co-sign on that. But if you're looking to integrate this into your life, now we're asking different conversations. And as important, we have different answers. And now we have different routines. And so this is what my book is about and making sure that we drive towards routines, habits, and consistency that we look back and say, you know what, my thought process my eating habits, my behaviors are different because it's now, now my life, not sourced based on an event. Okay. So life based on, I guess, a long-term purpose. And yeah. I would imagine that that's probably the toughest part uh, when it comes to the consulting that you do to help some of these people, whenever they decide that they want to make these goals, they probably run into the, the wall of maybe not having that strong purpose, that, that long-term, I guess you can say, why behind it to keep doing those things, right? I, I absolutely, um, especially my corporate um, clients of whom where I'm brought in by HR or potentially their bosses to say, hey, Ian, you need coaching by Kamani. And the coaches are like, okay, great. Now what am I supposed to do with this? And that tells me where we've anchored on the point of change, because now change is about choice. It's about acknowledging where do I want to go and where and whom do I want to be? In that respect, if someone's telling you that you need to move your anchor from one place to another, that's a lot different than saying that you're choosing to move your anchor. And so with my corporate clients, there is a shift in thought of, okay, I'm just trying to mitigate any noise from my leader or any noise from HR or my employees just to get by. Huh. Okay. That's a, that's a different dialogue than me working one-on-one -on -one with people who say, yes, Ian, I need your help. Because now there's an investment because I recognize I want to be better. 
and I'm choosing to put forth the effort. Okay. I'm now choosing to say, you know what? Let's go. Let's ride. It's it, it, it's it's different. It's as different than as, for example, if you get a divorce and someone divorces you, you didn't sign up for that, right? right. Now that doesn't mean the, the the marriage was perfect. It just means that I didn't sign up for that, <laughs> right? Versus someone going to the gym and saying, "I'm going to hire a trainer." And say, I'm going to pay for this trainer because this is what I want. And this is the lifestyle I am trying to lead. Okay. So coming to the conclusion on your own is the thing that makes one of the biggest differences from what you've seen when it comes to, absolutely. Uh, for one, making the change. And then two, I would definitely think finding a purpose that that change aligns into. Yeah, absolutely. And not to be lost in, 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 within the score of purpose, it's how does it integrate into your life? Because as we think about change and our purpose, we think our purpose is in one place and that could be the case, but no different than Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz, there's different paths to get to Oz. And so in that respect, it could be a function of what do I now need to do? But as important, what do I now need to give up? Because we all oftentimes think about, I need to do more than or in addition to is as the, we think about our purpose and our journey, that can still be the case. But what is often lost is we also need to let go of certain things that used to serve a purpose, that kept us safe, that kept us comfortable, that let us know how the world operated. But as we start to change and evolve as individuals, we should also consider what do we now need to be able to let go? Hmm. So just to, yeah, so just to kind of, I guess, touch on that a little bit, mm -hmm. would you say that one of the problems that you've seen with your clients is that they become more dedicated to the vehicle than the destination, I guess you could say, to kind of thread analogy out there? But what I mean is the little small short-term goals or habits as opposed to the, the overarching plot or purpose behind why they're doing it. Is that something that you would say is a problem sometimes? I, I think it's an absolute problem. Um, and that's both corporate and the individuals I coach outside of the corporate world. And that is because we live in a space where we're defined by our end result. You think about uh, our social media between Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok. It's all about how many likes can we get, right? We're right. defined based off that immediate gratification like and validation in that moment. That lets us know that we're on the right track. When we're actually going through the art of change and are changing our behavior, it is not that necessarily that instant gratification of, yes, I did everything right. That, I, in my estimation, in my experience, is a indication that of number one, you probably didn't challenge yourself. Secondly, if you do co-sign on that, is that you actually went from a, for a change not a true transformation. And the distinguishing factor in that is just because we're successful in it one time does not mean it's a new behavior. It just means we did it one time or two times. I'm searching and asking the people of whom I work with to integrate this into their life. More specifically, it's a now a root, something they don't even have to think about. It's just, I just do. 
No different than I breathe and talk and eat and drink water. All of those things for nourishment. I need this new behavior to be nothing more than this is just who I am versus this is just what I do. When we actually get into this idea of check boxes and the likes and the and 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 all that good stuff, they serve a purpose. I, I'm not here to say they don't, right? As I mean, there, there, there's purposeful right. action for that. But that's not changing behavior. That's just reinforcing different pieces. And now you're just trying to get more likes. And that okay. gives us an external validation. What I'm looking for and what I drive towards is that internal validation and internal motivation whereby regardless of circumstance, even if it's, I don't get the likes, if I can look myself in the eye and say, you know what, I did the right thing, then that means I did the right thing, regardless of whether I get an external validation for that from someone else or others, because it's the right behavior. Wait, so just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, mm -hmm. pretty much what you're saying is that the people that you've worked with, or I guess what you see the majority of the time, is whenever people set these goals or, you know, if they do get to the points where they have an overarching purpose, when they set that purpose, you're saying that it's not necessarily tied into who they want to be as a person, but the validation they want to receive from doing it. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. And so the purpose that they have or the goals that they have are the worth of that is based extrinsically, meaning on the recognition mm -hmm. that they get from other people, not the satisfaction they would get from conquering that portion of themselves, you know, or, or hitting some certain goal for their own benefit. What you're saying is that the thing that's most important for them is having somebody else say, good job, give them a pat on the back or something like that. That's, that's exactly it. Um, especially in the corporate world when we're, we're, where they are based on return on investment, where it's, uh, you know, if they bring me in, it's a function of, okay, that's an, ex I'm an expense uh, and now I'm expending on them. So that means they don't, don't, they're lacking in something. So to the extent that they can demonstrate they are no longer lacking, then quite frankly, now they can move forward. Now I recognize that if from a corporate perspective, I have a shelf life and as, as well as with my one-on-one -on -one coaching, I have a shelf life because I'm not trying to stay there forever. <laughs> I'm trying to build capabilities, not so they can think and then do, but you off, I often see that in the corporate space whereby they're just trying to check a box and say, look, I've got increases here in my, in my associate satisfaction. I've done more communication. I've done more engagement. I've done more strategic thinking. I've done more development. Hmm. In it my personal, yeah. And even in my, and even in my personal clients, you know, we all want to feel like we've done something, right? No one wants to feel as though they just poo-pooed on what they what have they done right right it's like well, I, I, I like oh, I, I just wasted my time no one wants to say that I, and I and I get it uh, but it's also having a conversation of did you do what you said you were going to do if you didn't did you put forth all the effort that you could and now once I gain garner that now it comes down to what would you do different? And so what are you proud of? And now where do we check and adjust? And hmm. so when I think about it in that context and when I'm coaching clients in that narrative, it comes down to now personal choice. And 
one where ROI from a personal standpoint is around the value we get. Because we, because we can't do everything 100%, right? I mean, it's just impossible. We don't have that time. Especially when it comes to change, because to think about stuff every single day, every single minute, even just tying our shoes is exhausting, right? We'll find ways not to tie our shoes, right? We'll tie them up once and just slip our shoes in them, feet in them, right? Right. <laughs> just to avoid tying our shoes to be like, look, I don't have to tie my shoes. But that's not the objective. The objective is to think different and be conscious and being in the moment. And okay. in those moments, and that's how we move forward. And that's how we transform. Okay. And I'm curious how you, I'm curious how you experience it, you know, as you think about change and development, both mind, body, and soul in the things that you've done. Yeah. So just from my experience, I can say that from, from the time, I guess, ever since I was conscious of, you know, goals and things and my direction in life all the way up until this past year pretty much all motivations that I had were extrinsic based on what mm -hmm. other people would think status, that sort of thing, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. whether it was jobs, school, degree, uh, awards, all of that, nothing, I'll say the majority of things that I did were necessarily for my own satisfaction to prove something to myself. It was kind of to get some sort of recognition or some sort of status uh, from, I guess, that would come from the people around me. And I'll say that that change really wasn't made until, you know, I started to, you know, get deeper and deeper into personal development. Of course, I've been doing it for some years up until that point. I did it for pretty much, you know, my whole college experience. But the point, I guess you could say the turning point was when I finally hit the biggest extrinsic goal, I guess you could say, which was to land the job, you know, because that was the big thing that, you know, I've been working for for the whole time I've been in school. Of course, your goal is to finish, you know, all, all three schools, elementary, middle school, high school, then go to college and then get a job. That was the pinnacle at that point, I guess you can say. And then from there, it's just moving up in the company, but kind of seeing how, you know, I've been working towards this for 22 years of my life and then I get it. And it felt great whenever I first graduated, but after, you know, being out of school and being on the job for a few months, I remember thinking, wow really the only satisfaction I got from this was just what some, some Facebook likes or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like really right. like uh, the satisfaction <laughs> I got from this, the thing that made me feel so good was like all, all these Facebook likes, you know, for me saying that I got my diploma or whatever. And I just remember thinking this is, this is BS. <laughs> like there has yeah. to be, there has to be something I guess more fulfilling or better than this than just, getting a pat on the back from these people around me and to be, and to be frank, most of the people that were, you know, leaving the comments or the likes on Facebook, wherever else, I really couldn't have cared less what those people thought individually. I guess right. you could say it was really about like <laughs> the numbers. And so it was kind of like this epiphany moment, like, you know, my mind was just blown. Like, I've, I think I've been doing this wrong the whole time. And so <laughs> that, at that point, that was when I knew it, there was another way that I needed to I guess, work towards reaching fulfillment in that I couldn't depend on the external. I had to yeah. flip to the internal. And so I kind of went on a journey of trying to figure out how to do that. And then, so of course the podcast came and then like, you know, mm -hmm. other things happened in life. And that was really why I started to see it because, you know, of course the recognition was good, you know, from people saying it, they liked the content, but really I think the best part of the process has been seeing how much I've grown 
and actually seeing how much I've helped people, not necessarily the recognition mm-hmm. that, that I got from doing it, but seeing that it was having such a positive effect, not only on my life, of course, because for me to teach this stuff, I have to make sure I'm proficient in it, but to mm-hmm. see how much of a positive impact my character and my platform is making on other people. And so that's when it got to the point where it wasn't even about, you know, just having a, a podcast that was, that was gaining some clout, you know, because I, I could be making something about sports or whatever else, you know, I could probably get more, more attention, probably get more, more streams and things like that, probably make more money. But the part where the fulfillment came in was just seeing the positive impact I was having and really how I was making a transformation in my life too, by basing my worth, I guess you can say, you're basing the value that I bring to the table on stuff that came from the inside, as opposed to, you know, likes or, you know, how somebody might perceive me or my image or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and I, and ironically, I I had a similar journey and I think many people do in, in the context of, you know, we're defined scholastically through elementary school. Like we go through a transition from fifth grade to sixth grade. And then we make that transition from, was it eighth grade to ninth grade, right? From junior high to high school. And then make that transition from 12th grade to, you know, for most college or some other trade school or to the military or otherwise. So there is a acknowledgement of transformation and celebration for that. But what is often lost in that transition and while we're trained by that right right like our, our behaviorally as kids we're just trained by that like you go from first to second to third to fourth to fifth you know we there's there's a progression as we get older there is people celebrate those accomplishments the same way yet they don't carry the same weight and those scholastic celebrations should be acknowledged and as we move forward Etc., but they don't define us. And oftentimes, when it defines us, that's where we get lost. So I know for me, it was like, hey, let me get my, you know, I, I was, since I was 13, I knew I was going to get a PhD. Since I was 13, I was like, look, I'm getting a PhD because that is the highest degree you can ever accomplish. And that's what I'm going to get. Period. End of story. And I knew it was going to be in psychology. Now, I did not, I could not foresee that was in you know, the business side of psychology, as I started my career as, as a clini- clinician and on the clinical side, but I still had that purpose of getting a doctorate, right? But I realized once I got the doctorate, it was like, yeah, if someone calls me a doctor, that's fine. If someone doesn't, that's fine too. Because number one, they can't take, I already paid for that degree. I already, already, already went through this. But that does not define me in my next exploration of giving back. And oh. that's the same, and that's the same way when I went to IBM. And it's like, oh, I want to be a consultant. I want to be a traveling consultant. I want to do this. I want to do that. I got there. I'm like, okay, this just is not what I thought it would be. Yes, I'm traveling, but I could never have foretold what I experienced. So it, just as you described your own evolution and that definition of that validation and perspective of others coming, hey, you did these great things. All of those things are true, right? But right. now it's a function of how did I redefine or how do I redefine purpose? How do I redefine impact? How do I in, redefine 
more specifically, enjoyment of what I do and how I give back. And for you, it's the podcast. It's the extension of your voice. It's about having conversations in this forum. But I bet this also extends to your quote unquote day job, right? Of uh, in, in a different in a different fashion as we were talking offline, um, but I'm confident extends to that, and it breeds more confidence in that. More specifically, that freedom that you have here to talk about anything and anything that comes to your mind now extends to that freedom, not being defined by a box somebody put you in based off a title based off of where they need you to play in a corporate environment. Huh. You know, (laughs) it's it's interesting that you say that. Yeah. Cause when you, when you put it that way, I can definitely see what you're saying. One thing I'll say about it is that when I was first starting a job before I was, before I started building the platform and everything, Mm -hmm. life was uh, pretty vanilla. I would say, you know, my, my presence wasn't the same as it is now, just because back then, that I was at my furthest from living an authentic life, I guess you can say. And so one thing about it was that building the platform and starting the podcast and taking the time to express my my thoughts and views on different things, I guess you can say it kind of put me in like a, a healthier headspace identity wise, because I wasn't forcing myself to fit in that box of being a financial analyst 24 hours a day, I guess you can say, you know, trying to you know, always act in a way that you would think that a corporate financial analyst would do, but being able to have that self-expression outside of uh, outside of the corporate environment. So I can definitely see where you're coming from. And uh, I would agree that it definitely has made a difference being able to kind of take off that, that analyst hat mm-hmm. and be able to put on the podcaster hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that at times you wear that podcaster hat in that finance you know hat yeah <laughs> yeah now that you say that yeah I, I can i can see what you mean because uh, i mean of course we haven't been in the office or anything because mm-hmm. of uh covid we won't be going back for i think at least another month two months mm-hmm. but uh we finally had a meetup event like uh last week where we had a a happy hour mm-hmm. for me and one of the other guys that was a, a new hire in the group Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was that and I, I noticed that actually that when I was talking to the people and kind of giving them an idea of who I was and what my interests were and where I saw myself long term with the company, I noticed I was speaking with the, the podcaster hat on. It was yeah. a lot more authentic. It wasn't necessarily trying to think of what would please the, the ears of the people around me. Mm-hmm. It was more so kind of just telling it like it is, I guess you can say just being as uh, maybe straightforward is the wrong word, but uh, just being, I guess, clear in what my expectations were uh, for the role and, you know, working with them, if that makes sense. And so that's something that was pretty interesting, actually, uh, to where before, if it hadn't been for me doing this, I probably would have never done that. If they, if they had asked me, uh, where do you see yourself in the company in two to five years? probably would just gave, you know, canned answer, you know, or whatever, like, oh, I plan on being, being a manager, this, this and that, and that working my way up to CFO or whatever else. But I guess being in that, I guess in podcaster mode, 
gave me the, uh, I guess, the liberty, you could say, to tell them that while, how do I put this? Don't want to get myself in trouble because. Yeah, that's how to get you fired. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll step in. But yeah, yeah, yeah that way I'll, I'm going to save you for a minute. But yeah, yeah. but I, I absolutely understand where, where, where you're speaking from. And, and, and let me, let me uh, see if I can summarize it in, in certain ways. And that is this platform offers you to be authentic in your voice, not defined by a box of a title, but defined by a possibility of perspective. A title defines us based off of what we're hired to do. And there's a right to be hired to in that title and in that job in that box, because an organization needs us in that box, right? Right. That's separate than being hired for perspective and possibility. That offers creativity, that offers expansion, that offers an allowance for failure, and more importantly, learning for us to do something else. That allows us to be who we are inherently every single day of our lives. That is not, in some ways, allowed for within the box that we are prescribed by somebody else. Huh. I like that. Yeah, I like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I get it. Yeah. And just to, just to kind of, I guess, just to confirm, just to make things clear, of course, I didn't, I didn't tell them, oh, yeah. I don't want to work here or something like that. Pretty, <laughs> right. much, pretty much the way I outlined it was that, you know, I don't have a problem with the job. I like the current role that I'm mm -hmm. in now. But the thing is, uh, it's, it's not the thing that I do that gives me my full fulfillment, if that makes sense. Right. I'm not going to sit there and lie and say, mm -hmm. I absolutely love doing Excel spreadsheets and yeah. making Power BI, uh, you know, documents and things like that, you report. Yeah, said no, it said nobody. Said yeah, nobody. That, that's the thing. <laughs> and, and I feel like if yeah. I hadn't started doing the podcast, then I wouldn't have said that. I probably would have right. you know, said the thing that everybody would say, like in interviews and things like, oh, I've, I've pictured myself doing this my whole life and all that. And, <laughs> right. it, and it's just false. I don't, I don't think anybody can sit in front of someone and honestly say that they, you know, have dedicated their whole life, their whole educational career and everything to going and making Excel sheets. Yeah. And I feel like I wouldn't have been, been that honest. So I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have told them that if it hadn't yeah. been for me doing something else and like feeling comfortable expressing myself. Hey, you know, you're absolutely right. Unless you're the one creating Excel. Unless you're the one yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless unless you're the one creating. Yeah, that's a different dialogue than completely I'm different. the one using Excel and now I've got to run Power BI and all this other good stuff. Like, no, no, thank you. That like been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Now let's move on. Right. <laughs> I, I don't need to come back to this at all. I can do it one more time, but that's about that's about it. And it's about, and I think it's, as we think about growth, and as we think about even intention for our lives, it's a function of, yes, can we do it? Yes. Have we done it? Maybe yes. But it's about the expansion of who we are. It's the acknowledgement that I've been here, but that does not define who I am. That does not offer joy or excitement. It offered a stepping stone to do something else. 
Now, as I think about my own career, I ever, I, uh, and to that acknowledgement, I treated each of my jobs that I ever had as a two-year assignment, at least at, at the very maximum, a two-year assignment. Now it, it, it fluctuated um, in certain instances, but most of my jobs were two-year assignments. And the reason I treated them in my own mind is that, is that I know this is not my last, my first job, and I know it's not my last because I'm more than what this job offers. So what is it about this job or this opportunity that I need to take away in my own mind, right? And so I thought about it in that first year, like, hey, let me understand this job. Let me try to figure out what's going on. Let me create efficiency, et cetera, right? Let me just try to figure out what's, what's what. At the start of that second year, so that, that one year and six months, so that six month period between that one year and six months, I actually looked at how do I refine and create more efficiency and really hone in and create, be an expert. I've already got a year experience doing this. Now within that six months, now what's that, what am I creating expertise around? Like, oh, I got this, I can do this in my sleep, right? I've taken away all the noise. I've taken away all the things that I don't need. What is the priority? Then that last six months of that two years was around refinement of what I thought was priority and transition. How do I now set this up so that anyone could do this? So that if someone came up behind me, they wouldn't be like, what did Ian just do? <laughs> right? right? Anyone could step in here and do this. Once, if you have some basic understanding, like, okay, you can step in here and do this but it's also a function for me to leave because I know I'm not staying. If I stay here any, anywhere past two years, then I'm staying here for different reasons. I'm staying here because I care. I'm staying here because it's comfortable. I'm staying here because I've got other things in my life that are, are in flux and I need some level of stability. But if I stay after this two, these two years, I actually know why I'm staying behind for these extra years. It's not because I'm learning anything that can't be learned someplace else. It's because of those other three factors. Now I've been guilty and uh, as charged of staying places five years in one role, but I was very clear as to reason I stayed and, and they offered one, I truly enjoyed the team I worked with I had a team of about 25 at its height, 15 full-time. I loved my team and I just loved working with them. And that was that. But it also, to the second point, offers stability so I can do other things. If I can do all that stuff in my sleep, I can do so many other things personally, speaking, run a podcast, and you know, just making up in this example, but doing so many other, other things in my life. And I'm okay with that but I was very clear as to the reason I was staying, not staying because I felt they're gonna give me another title or they're gonna give me another 2% raise that just goes out in taxes, right? <laughs> and that you're supposed to be thankful for. Right. <laughs> right. Or inflation. I mean, inflation is going exactly. up on average, if I think about 2% every year. So, I mean, I guess that just protects your money. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's at that point, it's like, Thank you for, thank you. You should say thank you to the government because clearly I'm not getting any. <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for on behalf of the federal government. 
But the reality is, it's like, what am I staying for? But being very purposeful on that reason. Hmm. And, and, and so as I, as I've always managed my life and career, it's been very purposeful. Like, what am I doing this? Why, what am I doing this for? Because I have yet to meet anyone. I don't care who you are being the clinical ward that I was working in or the kids I was working with early on in my career towards adults who are hard functioning. I've yet to meet anyone who wants to waste their time. We only have one life. I've yet to meet anyone who have two. Uh, aside from, you know, those who might say they've lived in past lives otherwise. Like, and that, there's no judgment in that respect, but though, that's few and far between. But I've yet to meet someone who says, yes, I've been reincarnate, reincarnated in that respect. So if you only got one life, do what makes you happy. That does not mean it's easy. It does not mean it's comfortable. It doesn't mean that people are gonna like it. It does mean that let's take every opportunity that we can, be it sitting on the beach, drinking a Mai Tai, be it sitting having a podcast, be it sitting doing finance, doing change management, whatever it might be. Just be purposeful of what we're doing and let's roll. And at that point, recognize that we're, we're managing who we are in that moment, because we don't have any other time, but right now, that's this is the only moment we're guaranteed. So let's make it make the most of it. And I've oh. always managed and looked, thought about my life in that respect. I like that you touched on that because you know it sounds like very like simple mm -hmm. advice, but the thing about it is that I would say, arguably eighty to ninety percent of people in the world uh, don't take that advice. Mm -hmm. They pretty much live the life that's the safest or that would get them the most approval from the people around them in their culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a result, it leads to a lot of people living a life that's unfulfilling, if that makes sense. And so I'm glad that you touched on that. And so we kind of poked a little bit at the career aspect of that, you know, living mm -hmm. authentic life, you know, when it comes to your career, and if you, you know, choose to stay in a, in a role with the company, knowing why you're staying there and not having it be because of what other people think about you working for this, this fortune 500 company, but because of what it helps you to be able to do that matters most to you. It kind of what you touched on before, but something else I also like to touch on when it comes to being intentional besides the career stuff is stuff in personal life. And so mm -hmm. since this is like a young, young men's podcast, we could kind of touch on this. And so, well, I think one thing that's very important is not only just being intentional work, but being intentional in your development. And there are yes. some parts of male development, I would say that are a little bit unique. And if we don't take that same route to where we're driving the type of results we want in these different aspects of our life, it can lead to heartache and disappointment. Hmm. And so I guess just based on that, like what kind of comes to mind to you whenever you think of uh, when you think of that? Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me, uh, hopefully you might see my eyes just get get wide. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> what really touches to me is is feelings. Yeah, please, please elaborate on that. Um, we hide oftentimes as 
as men, right? It's right. it's not necessarily. I can, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I live, I live it. I, I like, I, yeah, it's, I, and I own, I own, I own my own self. But t- true story, I as a kid, I came to myself that I would, you know, you know, as a as a young kid, I would never cry again. I remember it to this day. I made the decision I would never cry again because I got tired of crying. I got tired of the drain that it brought. I got tired. And to this day, you know, some 30, 40 years later, I can count on one hand minus figures how many times I've how many times I've cried. And that's being hit by a car twice and being ER, et cetera. I I can count how many times I've cried since that since that kid. And I say one of the things as we think about men, it's it's not always sexy to to, be, to own our emotions. Or the only emotions we know is, is love, laughter, and anger, right? There's, there's right. no, there's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those two, it's one of those three things. And it's, and it's, there's more to that though. And life and our intention and who we are as people, we need to honor who we are. Now, I, I, in my example, while I said I, I haven't cried since I was a kid, and that's still true to this day, it's something I still fight through. So it's not just because I talk about it doesn't mean it's easy, right? Doesn't mean I'm not fighting my own person, my own little self who made that decision back then every single day. It doesn't mean that I don't wanna cry or don't have other emotions. It does not mean I don't care. It does mean that I need to acknowledge who I am. And so as I think about the holistic view of our own development and who we are as, as men, young men, there's nothing wrong with being emotional. It does not make us any uh, weaker. It does not make us less than. It just makes us human. You know, it's about acknowledging us. You know, I can I can definitely kind of see how the stuff that you're talking about kind of applies to my life as well. And you know, it might just be a cultural thing too. I don't know if you agree, but I would say one of the things about you know black culture is that it's I guess you could say it's, you know, very masculine type culture where, you know, a lot of those things like what we're talking about when it comes to like showing certain types of emotions and things isn't necessarily acceptable, uh, you know, among among men, if that makes sense. And so to get into the part about being intentional and being aware of those types of things, I can say, you know, touching on the love thing that you mentioned, I would even say I'd even challenge that and say that that's something that might not necessarily even be something that's allowed if that makes sense and the thing about it is that at least from my perspective the way that i grew up the i guess the behaviors that are reinforced in me one thing i'll say from going on my personal development journey is that it kind of stunted my growth in that area where i guess you could say you develop your ability to be able to love and connect to people and so i guess part of being intentional was one reflecting on those types of things and acknowledging it and from there, kind of taking steps to reverse some of those things, because, of course, when you don't feel comfortable showing emotions and things, when you don't want to come across as, you know, feminine or whatever mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. it makes it to where you can kind of put some walls up and especially with people that you care the most about. And I would say from my experience, it results in me not being able to develop uh, connections that were as intimate as I wanted them to be just because I had those guards up and didn't want to. 
I guess, give up that, that hardened heart that I had, if that makes sense. I don't know if you can relate to that, but at least that's, that's my personal experience kind of related to what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, both what I've seen, but also in particular, my own experience, right? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's to everything you described, it's love isn't always, it, it's shown differently. It's demonstrated differently. So you have to pinpoint what love looks like at that point. And what is defined as, as love via attention? Could it be the the arguments or the beatings or the or the or the or getting yelled at, or could it just be someone picking you up at a at, at a store or taking you taking you to the ball game? You have to demonstrate. You have to see how that has been integrated into your life. And as you just as you mentioned, that stunts growth, not in a bad way, but as an acknowledgement. Like we can offer judgment on it one way, shape, or form, right? That's that's for a different topic for a different day. It it does acknowledge who we are as people and in, in the environments that we grew up in and what has been reinforced as acceptable. What is acceptable love? What does acceptable integration mean? So as as you described, that could turn turn into oh, are you do you have a wall when you meet someone for the first time? Do you actually talk, you know, how much do you uh, disclose around your history and your, your interactions with, with those who are, who quote unquote, you've loved before family and friends and how do they demonstrate that? How much do you actually communicate and share? You know, I don't know if your family was like mine, but heck within these walls, if family is family, we, we talk about family business in here. We don't talk about that outside, right? Right. Yeah, that's just that's just not where we where we where we conduct business, and that's now it's now it serves its purpose, right? It, in a very good way, in, in certain respects, but when you carry that forward to all relationships where people have to get through that wall, now it's like okay, like oh, I broke down, I broke through Ian's wall, <laughs> now I'm in. And it's like well, you got through the first layer, you do realize this is like the game of Jumanji, right? You, you got, you got like, you got like, you got like six of the layers to go through, but yes, congratulations. You got to the first right. round. You got through the first round and I ain't going, I ain't, yeah, hey, there it is right there. But here, here's what this means. But I, I acknowledge that in myself. I acknowledge that as I interact in the relationships, be it professional or personal, that I can't detach myself from these situations. I can't detach myself and from this history and pretend that they don't exist. Because I do, right? I mean, I just acknowledge it. Like, all right, here's, here's, what, here's what's gonna happen, <laughs> right? And I laugh because I smile, man, because I, I know it up front. I'm like, okay, here's what's gonna happen. And I cognitively and intentionally try to do better. That doesn't mean that I am going to be better, right? I mean, that's for someone else to judge. But I am constantly and cognitively trying to do better on myself. Because every, my history, that personal engagement, that perspective, those, those structures and situations and how I think influence who I am right now. And someone can judge me based off of the chapter they walked in on. Like you meet me right now, you're judging me based off what you see, which is perfectly fine. 
and no offense taken. But I also know that there's a history to me, just like if I walk into the middle of the chapter of my book, the reality is there's so much more to this. So much more to all of us. And as we think about our own journeys and our own stories, we are both, we are not both, we are all character, writer, set correct, creator, director, authors, and we're bringing our true selves to this moment. And so what that ultimately means, we're bringing depth through our acknowledgement of who we are. And it doesn't make, mean it's easy. <laughs> Damn it, it does not mean it's easy. Um, or that someone's gonna like it. But it does mean we're bringing some depth to this. And we have to be and acknowledge some of that as you described um, through your journey. And I describe it in mine as well. It's yeah. uh, culturally speaking, it can be a little bit challenging from time to time. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit sick right now, but oh, sorry to hear that. Oh, no, it's all good. Yeah. But um, one thing that uh, that you brought up that I thought was interesting, and I think it definitely should be noted, is how different people, of course, will have different expectations, you know, for mm -hmm. what's acceptable or not. And then you can also say that kind of plays into what somebody's image is of what a man is supposed to be, you know, mm -hmm. so whatever type of standards that you choose to measure yourself with for the type of person you want to develop into. And so another thing about it that I want to touch on is the fact that even though a lot of us will have, I guess, this ideal that we kind of set in our mind of who we're supposed to be, what a man is supposed to look like. I think it's rare that some of us, you know, even take the intentional actions to work towards developing ourselves in some of those different areas. And one thing that I'll see a lot of guys default to is instead of doing this self-reflection and acknowledging some of their weaknesses that they might have, you know, in, in their game, I guess you could say, you know, <laughs> as being a man, they kind of, find ways to rationalize or to make themselves seem like they're more proficient in an area than they really are instead of just mm -hmm. accepting that fact that you know they, they aren't perfect or they might not be who, who they think they are where are your thoughts on that yeah i absolutely agree it's um there's two things that stand out to me in, your, in that question and uh your statement as well the first thing is how do we define what does it mean to be a man that's a tough one. I, I made, yeah, yeah, a, I, I made yeah. an episode about it and it was even <laughs> tough for me writing an episode because the thing about it is that, you know, I have I have this ideal, uh, you know, man in my head of, you know, who I want to be, you know, all the types of characteristics that 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 man would embody. But mm -hmm. the thing is, that's my ideal. And that's just based yeah. on my experiences, what's important mm -hmm. to me. And so mm -hmm. it's completely different for, I guess, everyone. You know, of course, there are some things that are, you know, across culture or, you know, right. across multiple people within a, a culture mm -hmm. uh, that I guess are, I wouldn't say non-negotiable, but seem to be like the, the set it's standards. Yeah. But we definitely do have like our own little aspects that we might add more, uh, more importance to than others. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And depending upon how we how one grows up, what those models of a man are, um, now in our in our current environment and around transgender does that change the definition of a man does it 
you know, historically it's based off of strength and build and structure and support and, and uh, being able to do certain things, right? Right. Likewise, how a definition of a woman is, was, was defined. Those definitions are being blurred now in a number of different facets. And now it becomes less about the, the word man. And now it's being defined based off of who you are as a person and your characteristics of, right. of that, those feelings of which we just talked about, of yeah. how you care and less about who you care for. It's less about, you know, uh, you know a, a physiological perspective in that respect of which the word man has been defined. Um, and to that respect, and to the latter part of your question, I think it, you know, one of the things that most men struggle with in that term man is the, the word that comes to mind for me most prevalently is vulnerability. Like how vulnerable are we to actually ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a black man or minority man in this world? What does it mean to be a transgender man in this world? Now we're redefining definitions or better yet, we're redefining answers that were once either or. It used to be colored bathrooms versus white bathrooms. Very myopic, very singular very you're this or you're that very easy to see very easy to very, define absolutely very simple and now I we're getting really more complex not even close to that anymore yeah not at all not but at yet all. The, but the words and the models of which we're defining ourselves on are still based on that very simplistic view that we need to expand ourselves on and 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 yet it's sometimes hard to unravel ourselves from because yeah yeah and you you know something i just thought about actually is that due to the fact that it used to be so simple to define what a man was back when you know our grandfathers great grandfathers Mm -hmm. were uh you know had had their own households and things one of the downsides to that is that it probably left a lot of room for their development as like an overall well-rounded man you know back then Mm -hmm. because really you know if you talking to my grandpa or anybody like kind of in his age range, you know, boomers and, and above really in the thing that made you consider that made people consider you like a real man back then. And like, you know, the, the 60s, 70s, or whatever, when like he was in his twenties and thirties is having a, a job, being a productive citizen, putting food on the table and having a wife. And I mean, that's stuff that's pretty defined and simple and it Mm -hmm. doesn't take into account any type of, you know, Mm -hmm. mental or emotional development, anything like that. And so I think one of the benefits Mm -hmm. of stuff being like a little bit more ambiguous or not as, you know, defined by things that are easy to see that are tangible is that for for you to have success when it comes to, you know, dating and things and all that, you kind of need to be that more well-rounded man as opposed to just having a job, mm-hmm. being able to put food on the table, because the thing is now that those roles are being taken away from, uh, from uh, men, you know, I guess in the traditional sense, mm-hmm. you can't just bring that to the table and expect to get those same results because, you know, women can, mm-hmm. they can work on their own. They can 
bring money home too. They can put food on the table as well. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of makes it to where you have to develop yourself in those other aspects, you know, just being all, you know, completely well-rounded, which I would say is probably the the better definition of what makes a a man a man now, developing all those intangibles, those leadership abilities and things. Absolutely. Um, You know, you have men who are stay at home, you know, you know, dads, you know, as a friend of mine who's, who is a stay-at-home dad, I call him the, the chief home officer, right? Because right. that's, that's his job, take care of his three sons and his wife goes off and works. Um, that's, that's, his, that's his job. And, and to your very acknowledgement, the definition of a man has changed. And, it, and, and I'd say it, it's expanded. You know, it's, it's yes and, not either or. Either or gives us black and white, right? It gets back to where we were before. Yes, and means, yes, I can be this and I'm so much more. And so I look, I think about our yes ands, you know, with, with women in the workplace, it's a yes and. They can, they can be moms, they can be dominant mothers to children and do what, do what has traditionally been defined as a wife role. But it's yes and, you can also dominate and be CEO and run your own companies and write books and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're not defined by a singular box, but sing- but also that box has expanded to do so much more. And that's just not with women, but that's also with men as well. And to your, to your statement, I, I, I think that we often lose sight or just think about the expansion of those, you know, our grandparents to now being that the advent of the internet has really expanded our what we do and and the technology, et cetera, et cetera, our minds. It has also expanded the emotional side to who we are as men. In a way that that we that I, I think is underreported, under talked about, and under reinforced. Because it's as if that we're being caught back in a world that was what it should be like, hey, you go to war, you do, you go to work, you go and make the money, yes. Versus now this world of expansion of everyone going through now, you know, we've expanded beyond that. But yet the narrative is always, how do we define what it means to be a man? That definition of a man is still stuck back where we once were. It has not moved forward to where we are now. And that just acknowledgement and that pervasiveness and just the dialogue, again, as, as while we may feel it, may sense it in hell, if nothing else, our significant others remind us <laughs> we are not there. Right. Uh, yeah, you believe me, remind us, or at least me, hey, expand on this area that we are going, we're moving past this and let's go. It's something to think about. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And you know, yeah. for, when I was trying to craft that episode, what makes a man a man? Uh, I knew I had like a lot of ideas, but at first it wasn't really backed by anything. And so I kind of had to research different famous men that I respected and kind of build that ideal. It was something that wasn't, I realized that, you know, what my expectation of a man was, it wasn't something yeah. that was like, I guess, clear and defined as like I thought it would be. And so is I'm glad that we touched on that. And so I would hope that anybody listening that, uh, you know, they would take the time to sit down and kind of reflect, see where they are now, see who they want to be 
see why, and then also find men around them that embody those traits that they want to build. So that way they can get to that point of being their ideal version of themselves. Yeah. And I would, and I just add this, be vulnerable to it. Um, our models aren't necessarily the definition of whom we want to be. They offer a foundation, right. a reference point to build upon. It does not make it bad. It does not make it less than. It just now allows us to expand. I agree. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of guys, you know, might have trouble with when it comes to looking for mentorship and things, because, you know, most will kind of probably look at it from the perspective where you're submitting yourself to another man or something like that, or like, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, by deferring to them, it makes you less of a man. But the thing about it is that anybody that's ever been great at anything uh, and was highly successful probably depended on other men who happen to have more experience or be uh, more well-versed in an area to help them with their development because the end goal was to be that image of themselves that they have in their head that was up here instead mm -hmm. of letting their pride and ego keep them down here. So that's definitely something yeah. important to, to add to it too. Yeah, I think that's a great add. Um, yeah, it's about what that role model uh, and what we defined ourselves as as men and who that role model or those role models are, be it our parents, be it our grandparents, be it uncles, be it the people in our community, it could be anyone. And so how does that evolve to the person that you wanna be as important to being the person that is expanding um, on who we are to be better? to be yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And, one, and one thing that, you know, also noticed that's kind of interesting about this conversation is that, and I think this is kind of exclusive to men where, you know, I think like, or I'm, of course I'm not a woman, but I would imagine at least from what I've seen, whenever uh, a woman comes of age, she's considered a woman, but something that happens among men is that that's not really I guess the the metric or the measurement that guys use to determine whether like somebody's a man or not, it almost seems as though there has to be, well, in past cultures, a rite of passage or something mm -hmm. before they went from just being biologically a man to being a, a full man, I guess you can say. And so I just think it's interesting how that's something that's mm -hmm. part of like male culture where someone can be an adult, but we might not consider them a real man. It kind of goes to show you that there's this expectation of intention mm -hmm. that comes with being a man where there's a certain standard that you're supposed to fill mm -hmm. uh, to be able to take on that title without it just being, you know, something that comes with your age, if that makes sense. No, it makes, makes perfect sense. Um, it's, are you tough enough? Or can you yeah, handle you your own? Yeah. 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 It's like, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 do you have a family? Can you carry somebody? um your or, or family it's are you assertive are you opinionated right if you think about all the historical uh definitions of what it means to be a man it's do you not show emotion do you you know it's it's all those definitions so as you described it's it's less about age but def but it's defined by a rite of passage 
of sacrifice, hurt, toughness, and now you are able to lead. And that's a little bit different definition that's been applied for women. Mm-hmm. Right. And not, not, not an, an indictment way. That yeah. And definitely not saying it like in, yeah, a, in yeah. a negative way, but just yeah. pointing out that throughout history, the expectation that's remained is that there's a qualification that yeah. you have to meet to be yeah. a man. And so it just really makes the question, you know, even tougher that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. of actually figuring out what that qualification even even is at this point with things changing so much. So it's just yeah. food for food for thought, I guess. But we are kind of running a little bit short on time now. And so sure. just to go ahead and um, and close it out for the audience, is there any other information that you like to add before we go? Anything that you like for them to know about you? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? Yeah, there, there's two things I'd, I'd add, you know, closing remarks and then, you know, the, where they can connect with me. But, you know, the first thing is, as, as men, you know, it, obviously it, it, it's, you know, number one, we're good enough as we are, right? Let's not apologize for that. There's certain things that we fight um, internally to ourselves, but also the stigmas that are bestowed upon us. And as such, um, recognize and acknowledge that as we're managing our intent of how we move forward in this world, we do have a choice. And that choice is not always easy. It's not always fun but I can almost assure you that it's gratifying. So acknowledge that this is the journey we all take to be better. And that's sometimes a little bit harder for men because now we're asking to not be as hard, but also master the emotional sides of which we've sometimes avoided, but know we're good enough as we are and we have it in us. Um, in that respect, um, for those you know who'd like to stay in contact, I can be found on my 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 website and that's uh, at rhodessmith.com. That's R-H-O-D-E-S-S-M-I-T-H.com. Um, you can find find me there with some of the coaching that I do, as well as some of the press and and news that I've been in. You'll find this podcast as well as some of the coaching and uh, sessions that I'm, I'm running. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Dr. B, that's D-R-B underscore intention, um, where you'll find updates, both from my own personal view, but also that emotional side as well. And if you like the book, Intent, Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story, that can be found on Amazon and as well as on Barnes & Noble. Um, there's a, the soft cop, this soft copy here, which is the ebook, but also this paperback version, which I'm holding, um, that you can get as well to really ask uh, more specific questions around who you are and how you manage an intent. If you like ebook or excuse me, if you like uh, audiobooks, there'll be an audiobook version coming out here in the not too distant future. So, um, yeah, there's multiple ways to get me both for intent as well as my website, as well as on, you know, social media. Hey, great. And I'll make sure to have all those links included in the description as well. But yeah, that wraps it up. But um, hey, I appreciated you coming on the show. And I think that our conversation went really well. I think we offered a lot of value to the listeners. And, uh, you know, hopefully be able to work again in the future. No, absolutely. Come on. It's definitely a great conversation. One that needs to be had, especially for us men, but also extended to those who are not men. 
to see what we're talking about and uh, obviously live our lives to the best of our abilities. And there's a lot of ways to do that. So great conversation. Glad to be here. Yeah, definitely. All right, then. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and take care. No, no thank you. Come on. Definitely. You too. All right. Bye. All right. Take care.